You are now tuned in to the We Don't Play Station, and we don't play at all. Today we have an amazing guest. His name is Daniel Hess, and I can't wait for you guys to connect with him. Hey, what's going on, Daniel? How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's good to see you, man. How are you doing? How's how's everything going? Uh, everything's going good here. I mean, we're getting some snow and some ice today, but outside of that, staying warm and staying positive. Nice. Where are you? I'm in Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. Nice. So nice. It's 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 pretty cold, but that time of year <laughs> <laughs> exactly i would definitely say shout out to pod match and also welcome to the playroom officially thank you man i appreciate you having me you're welcome i'm so excited because you're all about film and mm-hmm. i also just released my music video <laughs> just last oh, week awesome, man. yeah Congrats. thank you so yeah i'll definitely send you the link after this to check it out but I want sure. people to know who are you and what do you do because I've just mentioned a few highlights. So let people know who you are. Okay. Um, so I'm a filmmaker based in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, I've been doing video production since 2009 when I was still in college. Uh, I started my own company, kind of hit the ground running as I graduated from university and uh was doing a lot of event videography, wedding videography for a long time. Uh, but in between, I do a lot of music video work, some short film work. And in the last couple of years, I've sort of transitioned back into the creative side of things. And so now I'm doing short film production and writing and all that uh, as my own company pretty much full time while still doing freelance videography with a couple companies here in Baltimore. and the area around okay that's what's up um i was also gonna ask you because you you also mentioned in the notes that there's a book of poetry please tell me more about that because i do music so poetry is like next door (laughs) yeah so uh yeah over the last five years i've been slowly just you know when i'd be at events or you know feeling some kind of way a certain day Uh, I would just start writing down lines of poetry and over about five or six years now uh, it's sort of collected into this big like amount of poems so uh, about middle of last year I was like you know maybe I should do something with this and uh, finally reached out I had somebody that could do the editing so they did all the grammar checks and all that and uh, then I found someone who could do the formatting to get it all set up for paperback and binding and all that so uh reached out to them they did that and self-published uh just last month so wow it's been been a ride (laughs) (laughs) what was your process like what what, was it different from filmmaking yeah i mean it's a whole other universe you know it's it's like i said it's something that i didn't see myself doing per se uh so I kind of had no idea. So really what ended up happening was just, you know, the, the basic answer of things in life sometimes, which is you just go to Google <laughs> and you start researching it. And, uh, you know, I went about the process and Amazon especially makes it really easy to just kind of 
get your book into their like uh, database once you have the file set. Um, so really it was just kind of finding the right people to help me out. And then once I got that, it was really kind of plug and play. Uh, I submitted it, got an ISBN and then it went up on Amazon within like two days of doing all that. So, wow, that's amazing. Now you can just fully go both portrait mode and film mode. And it just came to me. Have you thought about actually creating a film out of the poetry that you just did? Um, I mean, the, the thoughts have, have occurred to me sometimes, uh, but I think like, cause you know, last year also I, I took the time, I wrote my first like feature film script. So I think the, the poetry is sort of like a, a parallel with like the work that I'm trying to do as a, as a filmmaker. Okay. So I think it's kind of like a, I would say like a compendium, like a, a, a to like what I'm trying to create visually. So I think like when you read my poetry and stuff like that, you can see a lot of like what will come out in like my visual style, like as I keep progressing with my career. Okay. So I see it kind of as its own entity, but like I said, I have definitely thought about that before. Okay. Awesome. And if you guys are also wondering how to find Daniel's book, it's going to be in the description of this episode podcast. So make sure you click the link in the description to just know more because there's a lot we're going to get into. And (laughs) I was going to find out first about how you got into film. Like there's always someone start like, oh, I had a camera in the backyard or I had this. What was your story that said, this is what I want to actually do? So I can say the first instance of seeing like how cool film could be was I remember one time when I was a kid, uh, my dad actually made little Super 8 films with his friends when he was a kid. And one time he found them and uh, we sat in my parents' living room. I think I was like, gosh, probably seven or eight at the time. And uh, we watched them and they were just these cheesy little like, you know, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman kind of (laughs) films that he made when he was a kid. But it was like really cool seeing like them doing that with, you know, even then when it was way harder because, you know, you actually had the film and splicing it all and all that. So that was kind of my first introduction to seeing kind of like how cool film could be and what you could do with it, even on like a smaller scale. And then as I got older, you know, I was doing a lot more like creative writing. And when it came time to go to college, I was actually going originally for pharmacy of all things. And I had a really good friend who was uh, going into film. And, you know, we, we just, I remember one night we went to the movies and we were just sitting chatting afterwards. And I was like, you know, I don't know about this whole pharmacy thing and all that. And he was just like, well, you know, maybe try to transfer like to the film program. And so it was super last minute. I remember it was a huge scramble and, you know, I give all the credit to my parents cause they were like not a hundred percent sure about that career path. Mm. Uh, but you know, they supported it. I, I managed to, to do the quick transition over to it. And, uh, it, it was a great program. I was happy I did it. And like I said, I, I came out, for, like wide-eyed and had no idea where my career was going to go but I've just been continuously 
lucky and fortunate with the different like people that I've met over the years that have allowed me to stay in the industry for as long as I've been doing it. Wow. That's beautiful because it, it kind of tells me that you saw something that you never saw, but because someone told you about something, it kind of sparked a light into your path. Wow. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's for sure. That's great because now you think about music, you think about film, you think about poetry. You're pretty much an arts arts man if, if that's a word <laughs> you know someone that can actually go into that creative space and come out with something tangible and not many people have that privilege to be like that you know we all think oh yeah we can be creative but you can only be creative if you can create something from within and that takes a while <laughs> that's yeah that's very true and it's you know it's 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 hard because the the hardest thing is finding the uh, the financial side of it you know trying to make it work where you can do it and stay in it but also make enough money that you can you know support yourself and if you have a family support a family and all that and it's difficult I mean I've been freelancing since I got out of school and like I said some some months it's just luck that like somebody comes along and, and offers a gig and you know I was living that way for a long time um, you know just finding stuff and I mean some of the places that you find work like for a long time and I tell people all the time it's like Craigslist was a crazy great resource for me oh wow <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd find some like I mean you find some like sketchy sketchy stuff on that site but then at the same time there'd be a lot of legitimate people looking for film help and uh, I've gotten a lot of like good gigs and good contacts over the years just through using that site of all places. <laughs> wow! So how? So wait, how did you find the good out of the the fluff? <laughs> well, it's it's a lot. Like it used to be a lot of me. Like because I'm I'm always kind of an early bird. Uh, so for me, it's always kind of been like waking up early going on Craigslist and sort of like they have a section for like creative services or something like that because I haven't been in a while um, and I would click on the ads and over the years I got kind of attuned to like when you'd read something it would be like pretty obvious that either it wasn't going to be very well paid or the person was trying to get you to kind of do it for free um, right. so just through like reading the description and I mean even still like sometimes I'd you know still just shoot a quick email that would just be like hey my name's daniel like i do film here's a couple like uh example like films that i've done you know hit me up if, if you think i might be a good fit and just that like simple little email like was mega effective like i used that template probably for like five or six years and got all kinds of gigs just doing that simple like method Wow. So it, it definitely tells me that before anyone gets into a career, they have to create a template that talks about them that they don't have to brainstorm every time they get a potential client. Yeah, I, I'd say that helps out a lot because it just helps with like your efficiency. Um, so like I said, that was just like my method for that one particular site. You know, when it came to like different client proposals and things like that over the years, of course, like it's a little more detailed and a little more catered uh, to maybe what they're kind of looking for. 
Um, but in the same like breath, it's like you have to be able to deal with a lot of just if you don't get to something quick enough, you're usually gonna get a no. So there, I mean, for as many yeses that I've gotten over the years, I've probably gotten twice as many no's. Uh, and you know, some days it can be like a little harder to, to swallow those than others. So True. you definitely have to have some like thick skin because exactly. there's gonna be a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. And speaking of thick skin, there's definitely a mental health game that is actually advised because sometimes when people are told no because of the way they are characteristically they could easily just turn off or become like oh nobody wants me and yet we're almost what eight billion so how do you overcome your mental health struggles in life when people like this come to tell you no or maybe you've done an amazing film and it looks so good to you that the person who you've done it for is like i don't like it Mm-hmm. I've been there plenty of times. I mean, I'll admit, even just this morning, I was, uh, I had this 14-page dissertation paper kind of thing that I wrote about a, a film that I recently watched, and I was hoping to maybe get it in a journal or a publication, and I've, all it's been so far is, like, a lot of no's, and uh, it, it sucks because you, you think like, okay, I put so much work into this. I've had it edited, like all this stuff. And for film, same deal. I can remember a couple projects I've done where I finish it and I'm like, this is awesome. I love it. And then you either send it out to some festivals and get nothing but no's or you, you do that. You share it with somebody who thinks might really enjoy it and uh, just get nothing but kind of like, I mean, you know, it's okay, kind of like responses to it. So you have to really like give yourself space sometimes and give yourself like moments to really like think, like deal with that. I find like it's, it's hard because sometimes you just get blindsided with things, you know? Sometimes you send an email out and you don't hear a response for like, four hours and you're in the middle of doing something with your day and then that hits you and you're not ready for it and it hits you that much harder mm. so I like I think what I've found over the years is just like you know you're you're gonna get a lot of that but what you have to really do is just like focus on those times when you do get like good feedback focus on those times when you do get a yes and then you know if you do something and a lot of people don't like take into it or buy into it like sometimes you do just kind of have to sit with yourself and say okay what did I maybe do wrong here and how can like I improve myself for the next time I do it and that's the other part of it is that you always have to say okay I can do better next time and here's how I can learn from that because I mean you know like think about it even like you know top producers of things, top musicians, top filmmakers, they're still getting like crappy reviews from people, you know, like True. it's, it's an inescapable thing, no matter what level you're on. So I think you just have to like take it with a grain of salt and always kind of tell yourself that like, okay, you know, I'll take that into consideration and here's what maybe I can do next time. Because like, that's where the positivity comes out of that negativity because you just keep pushing yourself. Exactly. And the more you're able to build that resilience, you're able to actually withstand the pressure because I think they always say the higher you go, the stronger the wind. 
<laughs> and mm-hmm. you don't want to be pulled off because somebody just told you no and yet you are literally close to opening your next big Grammy deal or your next big Hollywood scene, you know? So there are so many things that are going to stop you. But if you don't stop mm-hmm. yourself, then no one can stop you. It's just it's just pure rhythm, <laughs> arithmetic. Exactly. And, and, you know, it's like and I think a lot of people sell themselves short, too, because they'll look at somebody else's work and kind of say, well, mine's not that good or I'll never be that good. But again, that's that's so relative. I mean, again, even the top level people like, you know, somebody who's a music producer might be like, uh, you know, oh, well, I'm never going to be at the level of like a Tupac or something like that. You know, like there's always going to be somebody comparing themselves to like a master of the craft, no matter how high you go. So, you know, if, again, if you do that, you're going to really like self-defeat and you're not going to do anything because like, you know, even if you put something out there and it's not the greatest thing ever, you still took that chance and took that risk. And like, that is a victory in itself, you know? And so that's what you have to realize is just like, I'm, I'm putting it out there and I'm going to keep getting better, you know? And that's, that's just what I'm going to do with my life. Uh, no matter what kind of like criticism I get for it and everything like that. Exactly. And they always say to the journey of a million steps or a million miles whatever you want to call that metric it it always starts with that baby step it always starts with that one step and if you're not able to make that one step then you will never see the end of that it's like saying i want to go to mcdonald's today or i want to go to chick-fil-a today and i'm just gonna fly there (laughs) you know it's not it's not gonna work you'd be like house way you know so you have to think about those things and how it affects you every day and speaking of starting a journey on Instagram yesterday, I saw a random post. I didn't even know this, but The Simpsons, their first episode, their first launch, if you look mm-hmm. at the car- the cartoon characters, they don't even look close to what we see today. But they started somewhere. You know, that's what they had. That's the vision they had. And of course, as the technology grows, you also grow with technology. And of course, you become better with your artistry. But if they didn't start with that clip art you know they would not be where they are today so you're very much right when you talk about starting somewhere because you're always going to be trying to be better than someone else even if you get better than that person you want to be there's someone who's better than that person that you want to be so there's always going to be that fight but if you're able to be content with yourself content with your craft then the world is yours really mm-hmm. and it's it's funny that you bring up The Simpsons, too, because uh, the first season they did of The Simpsons, or at least the first couple episodes, was like a disaster as far as animation because like some of the characters are actually colored in incorrectly in those early episodes. They had all kinds of production problems. And uh, originally, when Matt Groening, the, the creator of The Simpsons, was going to Fox, they wanted him to do a different uh, show that was based off of a comic series he was doing at the time. But I think his then wife convinced him to not do that series and instead create something new. And who knows, like if he would have stuck with what the executives were wanting instead of pitching this new idea, who knows if that show would have had the like long lasting appeal that it's had today, you know? Exactly. It, it all takes that one person, that one voice, that one step. It's always a one. 
<laughs> you know, it's never two people said this or I had a community of people telling me this. The smaller the circle, the more intense the result because there's an action plan that's also within that system. And for you, speaking about work, we've talked about how, you know, different works have have played this. I would say this is like a two-part question. Mm-hmm. Like, what made you start writing poetry, which is completely different from film, and what would you say are the hardest parts of your work? Because now you have to juggle both of them and you have to give each of them equal attention. Yeah. So for me, poetry really started when I was young. Um, you know, when I was 10, uh, uh, my, my cousin, who was also like a really, my, I guess, best friend at the time, um, actually passed away from cystic fibrosis. Uh, he was only 14, so it was a huge like loss to not only me as being a 10-year-old kid, but also to the family. And so, you know, that experience of, because I mean, it wasn't just a sudden loss. I mean, he was in the hospital for, gosh, probably like two months, maybe, in a coma. So it was a very drawn out, like, I mean, we would go to the hospital every day, and you know, he just never came out of that coma. So, you know, a lot of this, like, wanting to kind of get those feelings onto a page kind of started coming out of that experience. And so, you know, poetry to me always kind of felt, like, pretty natural. It always felt like, you know, because my tendency, especially before, you know, all the pandemic things happened in the world was just, my brain would always just be moving, like, kind of fast so it was always hard for me to kind of convince myself to sit down and write something like a story like an extended story so poetry became this easy sort of platform to just get like a bunch of ideas out on a page like really quickly and so for me it it was never really like too much of a juggling act because it always just kind of like just seemed really easy like you know uh it just seemed like very natural So, you know, as I'd be dealing with, like, issues that I was as I got older, because, you know, I had a very bad, like, relationship breakup that was from, like, a seven-year-long relationship when I was in my mid-20s. So there was a lot of these, like, emotions that sort of came back around in my life. So poetry, again, became another piece of, like, that escape and that catharsis that I could get things out on a page that I was feeling. Um... Because I can be kind of an isolating kind of person away from, like, my own circle and sort of not express myself enough, like, verbally. So, you know, in my tendency to internalize things a little bit, that's what's made the poetry kind of easy, too, because it's this way of at least getting something out. Um, So that's what it kind of became over these last couple years. And so, you know... There'd be times when I was just like on a video gig or something like that, and I might get a flash of just a couple lines of a poem, and then I'd quickly, if I could, you know, get my phone out and hurry up and like jot down a few lines on like the notepad app on my phone, and then, you know, put it back away. So, yeah, it's sort of become like just this place of like respite for me that I can just kind of get what I'm feeling out on a page really quickly. Um, especially when I get like a strike of inspiration, but it's weird. It's kind of just like this, this flash that sort of hits me. And then all of a sudden I'll just like, you know, 
basically throw up words on a page and <laughs> somehow this like poem comes out of that wow would you say that if someone read your poem and saw you for the first time they would see two different people in terms of expression or that's entirely up to them oh i'd say definitely two different types of people uh it's funny because like i you know when i meet people and i sit down with people especially one-on-one you know I'm, i'm pretty like i try to be pretty funny pretty relaxed pretty upbeat but then on the flip side like my poetry is like really dark <laughs> like mm. there's a lot of like dark themes about like death and love and sex and you know all these things that i sort of like kind of keep under that that i guess veil so to speak so i always think it's you know i think people are always kind of surprised at like my demeanor when they meet me if they've like read some of the work because it just almost reads like two different people like this weird like one side is like this Edgar Allan Poe type of person that just doom and gloom almost and then the other side is this guy who's just like telling like cracking jokes and you know making funny quips and being positive and stuff like that so it even kind of surprises me sometimes that like when I write it just becomes so dark so quick but mm. that's you know I try I try to be like positive when I'm interacting with people and like hey like, let's just joke around or whatever for a while <laughs> Yeah, just to make sure that it's not too strong or not too, you know, official to a point where someone's like, ah, I don't want to be part of this. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Okay. That makes sense. I like that. And based on your poetry, script writing, screenwriting, film, would you be able to tell us some of your personal connections to your writing? I know you mentioned about how it all started for you. But writing comes from two different sides, especially for you, that it's more so imagery because that's poetry. And then there's actually visualization. So how do you connect those two so that you're not thrown off or the person that's watching or reading is not thrown off? Well, like I've found that over the years of just making films and uh, making stories that people can sit down and watch, like I've kind of gotten... I feel like in tune with like how to present things to people like there's I think the greatest thing that anybody can do for their career in arts is to really double down on like psychology and like studying psychology because you know like I again I was lucky like uh my my mom is actually a psychotherapist so psychology has always been ingrained in me since I was a kid um And I think that that plays into a lot of what you have to do as a storyteller, as a visual creator, as if you're a musician, because you have to know how to take what you're doing and elicit an emotional response with people. And you can't do that unless you know kind of like what pushes people's buttons, what gets those reactions from people. Um, because it's it's a dance almost. It's a very nuanced thing that you have to do. You know, for like for example, if you're trying to tell a story, you if you want someone to sympathize with like a main character, you you can't just you know have this guy that's just this blank slate and you know he's just going out in the world and maybe he's just like walking in a street and just observing people. Like there's not really a connection there. But like, let's say, 
you take that same character and you have him do something like, I don't know, um, something noble. Like he gives, he's eating a sandwich and he seems, he sees like a, a homeless person on the street and he stops and gives the rest of it to that homeless person. Right there, you've, you've established like a good moral compass for this character. So people are going to instantly say, okay, that's a good, that's a good person. You know, I want to see like where his story goes. So you just, you, you have to be able to like do things like that. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people miss is just like, there's that nuance to like storytelling and things like that, that if you're not hooking people in that regard, like you're gonna, you're gonna miss out on what you need to, to say and what you're trying to accomplish because you're gonna have people just not connecting with your story in that regard. So I'd say like that's been my greatest kind of like tool that I've come back to over the years is, you know, I really sit down and think about like, okay, if my character does this in the story, how, how is an audience going to play to that? Oh, well, maybe that's going to be, you know, too harsh that of a reaction that they give. And after that, people won't care about his character anymore because they'll be like, oh, he's just a big old jerk. Like, I don't care. Um, so, so I've like, that's how I kind of structure my writing. Um, like as I go, it's just like, I think about those little things, but that comes from just years of just practicing and watching, like when I make something and watching how people react to it, like that's the best thing you can do. The more times you do that, same with, like I said, any discipline, like as a musician, whatever, really pay attention to like how people are, are genuinely reacting to what you're presenting to them. Because that way it's going to inform you the best of like, okay, well, I missed the mark a little bit here. I was expecting like, like, especially with film when you're like, if you present a scene and you're expecting like a laugh and you get nothing, then like you, you kind of have to think, okay, I might've missed the mark on my joke right there. I got to like fine tune this for the future. So that's, that's to me, like the best thing you can do for yourself is just really open up the that like response that you'll get especially in a live setting with people exactly and it's crazy that you mentioned this because like i mentioned earlier i dropped my music video on saturday last about six days ago and Mm -hmm. we hit 1k views in five days and awesome thank you and to me it's like that's a huge achievement you know someone like oh 1k i could get 1k next week you know but it's like yeah right it's like yeah it's, it's just simple arithmetic no it's not because there are videos on my youtube channel that have never hit 500 you know and they've been there for two years so there's a difference between when someone achieves something and you see people actually genuinely telling you hey this is nice well done you know and you feel like okay i actually took time with this because i don't usually do music videos i have a discography of music all the way back to 20 2005 and you think that oh he should have been recording music and doing videos no maybe i didn't have the money maybe i didn't have the right director maybe i didn't have the right script and maybe if I did it that way, you may, you know, you may not like the song anymore because some people like a song based on a video that they see. And I wasn't able to make that connection until just recently. And I was like, I'm doing this for a long time because I know that people are going to understand why I've been waiting for so long to do this song and why I've been doing EPs and albums like this. So I definitely connect with what you're saying because when somebody gives you feedback, that feedback is going to last a long time because it's leaving a lasting impression on your work. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, and, and that's the other part. It's just like, like you're saying with the music video, like, again, it's all relative, you know? If, if you're getting like 1K views on a video, that's awesome. Because like, you, you really have to think in the grand scheme of things, like, you know, the amount of content that gets made these days and the amount of content that's just out there for people to like get distracted by, like the fact that, you know, amidst all that, you're pulling in that amount of people like watching a video is awesome. And it's just like, you will, of course, you will get people that will be like, oh, it's just 1K, but it's just like, but yeah, you know, okay. If somebody like Taylor Swift got 1K on her video, yes, that would probably be a problem. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> you know, you're, you're building something and like each little, again, the steps, right? Each little step is what counts. And that's one more step that's like, okay, now you know this video has gotten 1K views, so that must mean I'm doing something better than those other videos. How can I do that on the next one to maybe get... 10k views you know like that's what you do is you realize like by your small successes how you can then build on those successes by either repeating that or finding a formula that then keeps working for you as you keep building right and i was even telling my email list as well my mailing list that you know i know it feels good to get a million or a billion views definitely that's a justin bieber move but (laughs) at the end of the day I'm not concerned about that because when that happens, it will happen. For me, mm-hmm. it's what am I doing now before I get there? Because when they were starting, they probably didn't have 1K views in five days. You know, so it's those things that humble you to say, hey, everybody's in a different level, a different path, a different story. And that's why it's good that we all have our own different scripts. So even for you, just because we've been talking about film and poetry, what would you say you love about film? the most like if somebody just sits down and says hey daniel what do you love about film what would you tell them right off the bat like even in one sentence that would be like aha now i get your drift (laughs) to to me film is is the symphony of art if i can put it in one sentence because it's the combination of everything it's the combination of of sights it's the combination of sound it's the combination of like motion it's just all these things that all come together and even in a film that maybe you'd say isn't the best thing ever made it's still such an accomplishment that it even exists because there's so many people that work in it and i mean there's no other discipline that requires that much effort from so many different artists and I mean everyone involved is an artist the guy putting the lights up on the poles is an artist there's an artistry to every layer of it yeah and it's just it can evoke such great emotions from certain films you know you can watch a film and see something in it like you know like let's say you've lost like a a loved one and there's a scene in a film that is exploring that kind of a topic and it brings you to that place again and while it's not telling your story exactly you're still getting that emotion from it because you can relate and the film can can make you relate in that way so it's just so powerful and what i love about it is that it's powerful to to everyone you know it's so universal 
because you know even with like certain like painted art and things like that there can be a lot of things that i think a lot of you know just your regular average person off the street might miss Mm. you know in like a grand art piece you know there's stuff that like i don't even get like i can look at it and there's all these references to things that's just over my head but like the film is just that thing that can just bring i mean you think about it you go to a theater there's all people that you don't know and you're all having the shared experience and it's like beautiful because it doesn't matter about your race your religion credence whatever you can all sit down and watch this one thing that so many people worked on and to me it's just like the epitome of of just all art coming into one thing that can just bring everybody together and you know at the end of the day that's that's what i love about it i love the the fact that you said that you're bringing a lot of people from different places to do the same thing at the same time. And that doesn't happen in, I mean, you can do that in a stadium, a football show, but like you can definitely see how film creates that expression. You can hear someone screaming from the back. If it's a horror film, you can see somebody, (laughs) you can, you can see those expressions, even if it's a 3d movie, a 4d movie, a 5d movie, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's dimensional to you as a person because you're leaving with something. Everybody's leaving with something. Somebody might remember that Spider-Man suit. You just you might remember the Times Square. You know, you anybody can remember anything, but it's what mm-hmm. sticks with you that actually makes it count. So that's definitely what I would say to know um, off what you've just explained right now. And speaking of film, who would be your favorite filmmaker today? <sighs> Well, so, like, working today, filmmakers, or just in general? Filmmakers? You know what? Let me say of all time, because that's really, <laughs> that's a hard one. <laughs> well, so, it's funny, I'm, I'm at, I, I tell people I'm kind of at, like, crossroads right now with, with my favorite, like, filmmaker. Um, for a long time, it was, uh, he was a French filmmaker, I mean, he's still alive, his name is Jean-Luc Godard. Uh, and he was part of the French New Wave movement of the 60s, which was a really interesting time in film where they really uh, went against a lot of the, the norms and a lot of the conventions of film to that point. Uh, you know, what you see nowadays in like jump cuts and, you know, uh, long takes and things like that, they were just trying a lot of different things. So I was always fascinated by his work because, you know, he really went against the grain. There's a lot of, like, philosophical questions he brought into a lot of his films about, like, life and things like that. Uh, So for a while, it was definitely Godard, but, like, now, as I get older, you know, I've sort of discovered a Japanese filmmaker by the name of Ozu, and his work is very low-key, not a lot of cuts, very, like, soft, kind of dramatic filmmaking um and i've sort of like kind of started to identify more with that you know because on one hand it's like seeing this kind of quick you know colorful filmmaking is is fun but then on the other i'm like you know but this soft kind of like underspoken sort of uh japanese style filmmaking is really interesting too so Maybe I'll find somebody who's like a perfect mix between the two, but those are kind of my top two right now that that I always kind of go back to. Okay. I would definitely say that 
Ozu, when you said that, it just struck like a question for me to you to be like, just to ask you what what is that soft dramatic effect compared to what you know people you know all over the world are doing? What is so different about that that makes it so it makes it so good? Well. I'd say he's what he's really good at is he's just like a master of just like familial storytelling. So like his his stories tend to kind of span one family over their like the generations and the way that these generations all mix together. So you know a lot of his stories revolve around like parents and children or grandparents and grandchildren um, and like different events that take place like. Uh, it could be as simple as a story about the day a woman's meant to get married or leading up to her marriage. And it explores this dynamic of like her and her father and you know, how kind of like, it's great that she's getting married, but it's also really sad because like they have such a good relationship and by her getting married, that means that it's not going to be the way it was before. Cause she's now going to have a family and a husband and all this. So that's what I really like about it is that it's it's so deceptively simple. You know, you think about like you think about how you could tell a story about something that simple and it almost seems like like you wouldn't be able to do it. But the way he does it is just it's just so understated and it's so just kind of natural that you know, it's almost to a lot of people they might even find it kind of boring. Mm. <laughs> you know, but uh I find that kind of stuff fascinating. Cause I just love like simplicity like that, you know, like if I could do a movie that was just that simple, like about, you know, someone's wedding day or leading up to a wedding day, like, and make that, that interesting the way he does and the way he kind of visually presents it, then like, I would be like, that's an accomplishment because, you know, I think especially in today's world, you know, we want to tell kind of very intricate stories that like span huge amounts of time or are kind of bombastic in a way but i've always just been of the ilk to kind of be to kind of gravitate towards uh films that just really stay small scale and really explore like a few characters because i think that's always the more kind of interesting storytelling in my mind yeah speaking of storytelling would you mind if i actually pick out one of the poems in your book and let people just have an idea of what to expect yeah of course okay so i found i found the music and thank you so much also for the amazing book it's it's really really great i love what i'm seeing for the you're welcome so for the music section um (laughs) i saw something and it really caught my attention because i just like the way you use the imagery in this in this point And it goes like this. Loud sounds hit my ears. Make me forget all the problems. Louder, please. High energy beeps. Boops. Stop and dance. Step in unison. Scream at the top of my lungs. Serotonin spilling all over. Songs over. Play another quick. I can hear things coming back to focus. (laughs) I'm like, what? I can hear things coming back to focus. And you just hit my ear. Tell me more about that. I want to know what was inspiring that point exactly. Yeah, so 
that was really born out of this kind of feeling when you know I would feel very either overwhelmed or just have like a very kind of depressing kind of day in a sense and so really you know what I like to listen to musically a lot of times is you know I kind of gravitate now towards more like EDM focused music um, and I find it because I, I enjoy it because it's like that's what it is is it's like this escape you know to me it's just like you just get hit with this like cacophony of sounds that sort of just don't allow you to really kind of think too much you're just kind of meant to enjoy what's going on and enjoy that like kind of energy kick so for me it's always been like this nice boost if I'm trying to like kind of get away from just overthinking or just having the weight of the world so to speak um, and so that's why it's like it's just this whole thing of just you really get into the song and it just gets to this like peak and you just want to just get all this energy out and then you know as it's fading you just start to think to yourself like oh no like it's all kind of coming back around again and so that's where it's just like hurry up like we got to play like another another high energy song or if it's a certain track that like I'm really into at the time I'll just kind of like repeat it you know I'll sometimes I'll repeat a song like gosh probably like five or ten times if I'm really that into it in that moment because it just helps to get that like bad mindset away for at least a little bit mm. so yeah so at the end of the day it's really just like a place of escape and that poem really kind of tries to explain that as best it can in in those lines i love that because it's it shows that energy in music is very strong and what somebody puts into that music can be affected and can be affected from people's vibrations when they come in, t in contact with you because if i did a song and i was crying and now you listen to the song you probably want don't want to listen to it because you're so happy so it's like there's that connection where you have to make sure that whatever you're presenting shows that dominance in that sound in that space that somebody else can feel like they were there but they can also connect without being there it's interesting because uh, I like I have such a deep like love and respect for music, but it's oftentimes really hard for me to like listen to a lot of songs that people will say are like you know really good good tracks and stuff because like for me it's hard to listen to songs that sort of carry a lot of emotions with them because like you know in my the way I like go about my day it's just like. It's hard because like those things can kind of like like bring me down a little bit you know so mm. that's why i really gravitate towards like more not so serious like upbeat music because i'm just like i i can i can get pulled down to like a weird place really quickly with songs and that doesn't mean i don't have like all the praise in the world for those like really good you know sad songs or really good like emotional songs because i think they're amazing and I actually am always just like if you can listen to that kind of stuff and it and you're okay with that like more power to you because it's it's always been weirdly difficult for me to just sit down and like listen to an album of someone who like as you listen to it you know that they were going through like a rough time because mm. like when I listen to it my first thought is always just like I just want to give this person a hug like I just <laughs> I just want to like 
not be in this room because I feel like I'm feeling all these things and it's really overwhelming me. Mm. It's, it's weird because like I can watch a really sad movie and it doesn't have that effect, but man, music like hits me like a ton of bricks when it comes to like those kind of emotions and I've never quite figured out why, but it's always the same thing. Yeah, definitely. I feel like music also has this thing on you that creates anticipation for what's to come even though it's probably not there it can take you back it could take you forward it could keep you in the same place <laughs> it could actually do anything to you turn you over by the end of the day it, it shows that connection is key when you're building something that's valuable mm-hmm. yeah and just to also find out from you too who your favorite author is before we get back into the film and the lifestyle who would you who would you say your favorite author is well you know sadly to say for a long time i kind of fell off from from reading for a while uh i always found it kind of difficult especially after i finished up with my first kind of foray when i was in college um for a while like when i was younger i really liked the work of like jack london who wrote like uh white fang and the call of the wild um, but more recently, like this past year, I, I took a deep dive into Ernest Hemingway, who, you know, he has very problematic writing. I mean, he's definitely a, a writer of his time. There's a lot of like, you know, mis- misogyny in his work. And there's a lot of just like kind of pretty racist stuff too, like in his, in his writing. So I wouldn't say he's like my favorite author, but as far as like more recent stuff that I've read, what I enjoy about like Hemingway is his like the way he visualizes things, um, and again like even in the mundane stuff like he can describe just like a, a house next to a beach and the way he can like just talk about it and just paint this like beautiful picture of just like a warm summer day by a beach and like how that feels I think is like really interesting. So. As far as like a favorite author, I'd say I'm still trying to kind of find a new favorite author. But like I said, my my most recent exposure to anyone's kind of full work has been Hemingway. And uh, like I said, through all the problems and everything, I still think he's a he's a pretty interesting writer um, for for kind of rising above certain things with the like what could be mundane moments. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I like that. It it shows that there is diversity. That's what, exactly what I'm hearing from you. And it makes sense because now it shapes you into the person that you want to be based on the kind of experience that you want to give to people. You know, of course, based on the lifestyle that you've been brought up with and what you actually see of the future. So even speaking of the future, what are your plans for the future? You know, like you said, we're in a pandemic time so much content i don't know how many movies would have been produced last year that are not in the theaters you know because of so much going on so for you as a film filmmaker for you as a writer as an author what is this year looking like for you what's next well the big goal this year is to take the feature film script now that it's kind of complete and uh start pitching it to producers and hopefully it will get picked up and it will get enough financing. And my goal is to probably start filming that at the very earliest, which I doubt is gonna happen, would be maybe the late summer this year to start filming. But 
the the more realistic goal was probably spring of 2022 to start filming the project. Um, but that's the big like number one kind of if I can make that happen, I would jump up and down a million times kind of goal. Uh, as far as other stuff on the writing side of things, uh, I'm slowly working on like my first kind of actual novel that like or a short novel. Again, that sort of like recounts some of my experiences in life with video um, and exploring like the mental health aspects of life and everything. And also, uh, hopefully, because right now I, I got an article published in an online music magazine uh, last month, and I have already written another article for them. So if I can keep that like train moving forward where I can keep writing articles for this publication, like that's really cool because I never thought that I'd have any work that would get published. You know, if you would ask me two years ago, you're going to have like an article published anywhere. I'd have been like, no way. Mm. But here we are out of, again, kind of luck. And uh, yeah, so keeping that going, like keeping the, the article writing going in the meantime, too. Okay. Okay. I like that you said 2022 as well. So for this year, I don't even know the answer to this question, but what would be the most anticipated film to come out this year? Ah, man, well, they keep, I mean, they keep changing a lot of things with the release dates for stuff. Right. So, I mean, I was, I'm trying to think of like movies that haven't come out yet from last year that I was kind of hyped to see. I mean... I'd, I'd like to see like the the new James Bond movie that they have coming out. Like mm. I think that'd be cool. Um, yeah. As as far as like the indie films, like I feel like I know the least I've known in like probably like five or six years now because they're either not getting put to theaters or they're getting like slowly or like quietly put on like streaming services. So yeah, I mean, gosh, I, I wish I had a better answer. Like because I wish you know I would have. Yeah, I've been able to keep up more with like what might be coming out on the indie film circuit. Um, I mean, I think they have what is that? Um, it's the what is it? The Judas and the that new oh one Judas and the Black about, Messiah. Um, what is it? Judas and the Black Messiah. Yes, I'm really excited to see that because I've heard nothing but good things about that film. So that's like the one that I know of that I think is even, I think it's out now in streaming. Um, so that's one that I'm going to try to see probably within the next like week or two if I can. Yeah. Okay. And I'm also seeing how movies are actually transcending from being in the box office just because of what's going on to being on like HBO Max or Netflix. And this shows that you could actually watch in the AMC theaters. So I don't know if this is going to be a thing. Oh, when the movies come mm-hmm. back out, then all these other platforms are gonna like start scrapping for for airtime. Oh, I think what's gonna happen. I mean, there, there's. I've heard even talks about like a Netflix or an Amazon Prime like buying out AMC. I mean, there's been rumblings of that. So I think what you're gonna see is just like a continue. I think in in my most like cynical. Well, that wouldn't be my most cynical, but I think what you'll see is like movie studios realizing that like the box office returns might never come back to where they were because I think you will start to see more of that like simulcast of you can watch it on streaming services at home or you can go to the theater 
I think giving people that option, I think is actually, you know, kind of good because, you know, you can just stay at home if you need to. I mean, there's a lot of people that even when the theaters were a thing, just weren't big theater going people. So I think it'll open up a, a kind of a, a door in that regard. But I think what you'll see is more of like what Disney is doing, which is they'll release it at the same time, but you have to pay like a little bit extra to watch the film on demand, like right away. So I think like you'll see more of that because that way it still allows these studios to sort of like recoup their budget back. Because you know, they're, these with these big blockbuster movies, I mean, they cost a ton of money. So you have to have like some way to make that back. So, I mean, you could just see a world where it's just gonna be both thing or both platforms have the release the same day, or, you know, the, the super bleak answer would be maybe theaters really track back immensely and it's mainly just going to stick with the the streaming platforms yeah but i don't th i don't think that's going to happen i think there's always going to be theaters they just might be a different way of going to the theater than what they were like pre-covid stuff true true i think so too and i can't wait to get back into, into the theaters that whole vibe of sitting back big screen surround sound that's that's really what people go for the experience not even though that they gotta buy popcorn or they gotta buy sodas it's just because they can sit down and feel like they're not home but they feel they are safe because there's something they're gonna be there for about an hour or two mm -hmm. yeah and speaking of of movies what would you tell someone who is trying to start out just like you did they probably don't have the idea or they do have the idea but the execution is not there how would you be able to like let them know what to do yeah i mean i would tell that person like even if you don't really have an idea even if you don't have a story like if you're really just trying to get into the industry like especially when you're young man like use that flexibility that you have to like to do all those things that are like unpaid or really low pay like because if you're still living at home especially and you don't really have too many bills or anything like that like it as you get older the amount of like payments and bills and things is only going up right <laughs> so like even if you're young and you think man i got this car payment and it's like i don't know let's say like six hundred dollars a month or something uh that's really not that much if, if then you add in when you're living on your own, you have rent or a mortgage <laughs> and an insurance and all, you know, it's only going to keep building. Right. So, so use the flexibility now to, uh, to take all the kind of more menial work, the more shadowing work where you're just getting paid like really small amounts and do that as much as you can because, and talk to as many people as you can, you know, even if, you're just like a production assistant on a, a film shoot and you have a break and you're next to the guy who's like the the DP for things, like really high up in the food chain. Like talk to the dude. Like you don't have to talk to him about what you're doing. Just talk to him about stupid stuff. Like right. say, you know, hey, I was watching a football game last night. Like, did you catch it? And he might be like, yeah, you know, I'm really into this. And next thing you know, you're just chatting. And just do that because like you never know if that person might remember you or when you might run into them again and then they'll be like oh yeah you're like i i liked you like i you know this other film i'm getting ready to do they're looking for like 
uh, an assistant camera guy, do you think you might be up to it? And then you just rose like five ranks after that, you know? So it's really just about like, you know, don't let the ego get in the way, you know, because that's another fallout I see a lot of people have. You know, don't think you're above anything, especially when you're younger with that stuff, because you just, you have to start somewhere. And even if it feels like you're not moving as fast as you should, you're still moving, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, use this time to just like really just hit the ground running, network, and just like I said, just chat to people. And and don't don't hit them up trying to be like, hey, I'm trying to do this. Like, can you help me out with that? Like, don't don't play that game way quick because people see right through that. Just be chill, you know. <laughs> like, just be chill and and realize that these people are people too, and they have jobs that they're doing. And just chat with them and just hang out. And like I said, you'll never know like what doors that might open up as you go. Um, exactly. So that's what I would say. Yeah, most definitely. I like that fact that. You will never be where you want to be if you don't start where you are. Exactly. Period. <laughs> That's amazing. And and if people want to actually reach out to you, how can they contact you? What's the best social media app that, you know, let me go connect with Daniel. Let me see what he's doing. How can they reach out to you? Yeah, so I say the best way, I mean, Instagram is probably the easiest one for me. Um, and my Instagram for my company page is Two Tony Productions, and that's T O T O N Y Productions. And then in the same vein, my website, which is just twotonyproductions.com, spelled exactly the same, uh, is kind of like a one stop shop where it has stuff about my films, my writing. I got a blog, and then it has all kinds of ways that you can just send me an email uh, and contact me. Because, you know, even if you're just like somebody out there just looking to chat or just looking for like some advice, like I'm always down to talk and to share any kind of things I can with people. Because, you know, that's what it's all about. I, I have things that I've learned over the years, and I'm here to share that as best I can. Awesome. I'm glad you were able to actually join the playroom today. And be part of this conversation because these are things people need to know. And we talk about everything entertainment. It doesn't have to be specific. But as long as it's actually engaging and it's something that somebody can grasp from, then this is something that you should be in. So thank you so much for being here. And I really, really appreciate your time. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It's, a, it's an honor to sit down and talk with you. I appreciate it. Anytime. Anytime.